and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. Hello and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast uh, from the guys uh, behind the Guitar Show UK. Uh, I am here with my very good friend, uh, Jason Hunt, yeah. uh, Big Cheese, <laughs> Le Grand Fromage of the, uh, of the Guitar Show UK. Um, I don't know, Grand Fromage, I think that might be Carry On something or other anyway, we'll, we'll not worry too much about that. Is it Carry On, Don't Lose Your Head? It is Carry On, Don't Lose Your Head. <laughs> We've just alienated half the audience, <laughs> but that's fine. It's one of the better Carry Ons actually. Um, <laughs> anyway, this week we are talking with uh, Matt Gleeson, uh, and Matt Gleeson is Monty's Guitars, isn't he? He is, yes. Um, just before we move on, I think Carry On Screaming is the best Carry On film of all. Well, I'm going to throw Cleo and Cowboy in. Yeah, I mean, they're good. They're not Carry On Screaming. Carry On Screaming's very, very good. And not quite the normal cast as well. No. No, no Sid James. No, S- no Sid screaming. James. Um, Harry H. Corbett. Yes. I'm assuming playing the Sid James role. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I don't know, had Sid died at that point? I don't know. We're very off topic. We are off topic. <laughs> Let's get back to Matt, Matt and Monty's. Sorry, Matt. If you're listening, Matt, sorry... Uh, and also, Matt, if you do know if Sid James had died at that point, let us know, <laughs> um, which would be great. So, Matt Gleeson, Monty's Guitars, and uh, Matt, did Matt ask if he could come on the podcast? Cause they're, he did, they're, yeah. They're it was quite nice, because um, I just got an email that said, we listened to it in the workshop, can we come on? And it was like, well, yeah, that's that's really good. Um, it's nice to know that people are listening, and it's nice to know that people are listening and enjoying it so much that they... Uh, want to come on which is really funny because uh, Mikey Demas emailed me uh, the other day as well to tell me you've been listening to it and laughing about the fact that I forgot to ask about Russ Ballard but, yes yeah we need to we're gonna have to do Mikey again just for the Russ Ballard because he said there's um, loads of stories he can tell us that are really funny so I'm um, looking right. forward to catching up with Mikey again right well Mikey well we said that Mikey might be one of the first ones we actually when we can do face to face so um, so maybe that's the maybe that's the one. I think we should do a double header with Mikey uh, and with Adrian. Yeah, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, that'd be good for a giggle. And if we do it on a day where Mikey's in uh, Northampton rather than in Brighton, we've got less to travel. Yes. So. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Anyway, back to Matt. Uh, we should spend more time on Matt because he's a listener, um, which is which is great. I hope he doesn't affect the quality of the work listening to this while they're. Uh, I, I can only think that it drives them on to produce even better pickups, <laughs> and we both know that shy. <laughs> but there. so um, we'll uh, we'll dive straight into this because uh, it's quite a long quite a long chat. This one, um, though, we lost track of time. Really, it didn't feel like didn't feel like as long as it ended up turning out to be when I came to edit it. No, I don't think we'd realised um, quite how much there was to Matt's story. Really, yeah. I mean, certainly some of the things that he talks about, I I hadn't realised. I mean, you know, I've oh. only ever known him as being the bright, bubbly, kind of sparky character that he is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was very, very interesting. And you will thoroughly enjoy it. So without further ado, um, uh, have a load of uh, Mac Leeson from Monty's Guitars. See you in a bit. Mm-hmm. 
Hello and welcome to another episode of uh, 942 Podcast. We're sat here with uh, Matt Gleason from Monty's Guitars. Hi Matt, how are you? Uh, hi man, I'm, I am good. I'm enjoying this lovely day. <laughs> <laughs> how is the weather with you, just out of interest? Mildly muggy, you know, typical t- typical kind of London London weather. Feeling a little bit close. Right, okay, that's, that's fine. Uh, Jace is with us as well. How are you, Jace? You all right? I'm all right, Ant. How are you? Yes, I'm not too bad. I am not too bad. And I have to confess, I've never met Matt before. I know very little. Um, I know very little about your brand. So I'm I'm going to kind of sit and chime in when it feels appropriate and let and let Jay take the lead. I think. All uh, we need to know is that they do the nicest looking exhibition stands ever seen <laughs> at a guitar show. Yeah. Yeah. In we fact, do. on the first show that you did, I uh, sort of wandered up on build up day, and you'd got a manual. That someone had written for you on how to build the stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good friend of mine. Um, uh, well, they're, they're kind of the arty family called the Ebdens, but they um, they 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 designed the whole thing like kind of with me and put it all together. Um, and yeah, Anna is very organised. So yeah, had a manual. I even had like little sticky things that I had to put certain places. And yeah, it was good. It was good. But I like I like making an impression. But also weirdly, that wasn't actually the first show of yours I've done. I did. No, one... you you dodged onto someone else's stand, didn't you? Yeah, literally, it was like two thousand and what eleven, twelve, something like that. Like really, really early on. Um, yeah, and I remember the first thing somebody said to me on the store because I was there for like. The, the first half of the day and nobody said anything to me and I was like really shy and um, this bloke just came up to me and went your string spacing's wrong on that and walked off <laughs> <laughs> so okay fair enough <laughs> I can only apologise for my visitors sorry that's, that's, no it's alright it's alright you know in fairness it was wrong <laughs> which stand were you on? Um, it was AD from Vanquish Vanquish Guitars oh god yeah I haven't heard off AD for years now. Yeah, he's. I, I'm not too sure what's happened because he had this shop called the Guitar Lounge because he had the it, yeah Peterborough. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so he he had a, a workshop on one side of this industrial unit and a shop on the other, which he did with another guy, and they brought over. Was it they? He imported like divided by thirteen and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, but now I think he's just solely just doing his thing, trying to make it work. It's you know he makes he makes amazing stuff, but it's just it's just catching you know trying to catch you know, people's imaginations with it. Really, I think he's from struggling with. Yeah, yeah cool. So I I mean I sort of suppose following on from the guitar show stand, mm. I I mean I ordered um, some pickups from you in lockdown, and as we were saying before we started recording, that everybody's been ordering pickups and stuff from you. Yeah, it's in bonkers. And it arrived in the most incredible packaging. <laughs> and I just wanted to, I mean, clearly it's not cost effective, but it's no. something that you like to do. So, you know, I just, you know, do you want to tell us about the packaging ideas? Well, the, the, I mean, I've got a bit of a penchant for packaging. Um, and I mean, I, I designed it all myself, kind of taught myself how to use Illustrator and that kind of stuff and put it all together. But the, the main premise behind that is I... If somebody is um, nice enough to trust me with their not only you know their cash, their hard-earned cash, and you know their sound, um, then I you know I want to I want every step of the journey to be um, 
be good you know be it be be exciting i mean how many times have you bought a pedal or you know a mic or something and it just comes in a cardboard box with nothing no instructions no not even a thank you and it's kind of you've dropped 200 300 400 quid into this thing and then i think you from a bit from a well from the way the way i see it is that I want any. I want anybody who buys something from me to, for the whole thing to be memorable, and um, and also for them to th- to know that I'm. I, I really appreciate appreciate it, and that we you know really care about their individual thing. I mean, all this everything is handmade to for the person. Um, I mean, the, yeah, there was the, a little handwritten note inside as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's that's. You know, it's 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 it, that's it's that kind of stuff that makes a difference. I mean, we're a, we're a small team. You know, there's. I mean, now after lockdown and all that kind of stuff, there's three of us pretty much full time, and we've we've got our systems down, so we can get get all those things out, get them done, and um, yeah, I think it's worth it. I mean, yeah, it costs a bit of money, um, eats into margins and stuff, but I think it's. With anything, when you're with, you know, want to be a, when you're a, a brand, you want people to kind of love the stuff that you do and 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 uh, and give it. You know, I want to give that kind of just that thanks back. Really, that's all that's really about. I mean, it's that, weird. Oh, sorry. Go on. I was to say it's weird. I have no idea what I'm going to do with this wax sealed string, <laughs> but I can't bring myself to throw it in the bin. <laughs> no, no, because it's uh, you know, it's it's, it's it's a good thing. I mean, how, you, you don't see many wax seals anymore. I mean, no. I mean, basically, I just wanted to be a medieval duke, <laughs> and that's that's the whole thing. But yeah, no, it, was, it was cool. I remember when I actually because I came up with that whole idea really really early on, and I remember sitting down with my wife saying, "I've got I've got this idea that I want to. I mean, everything's going to be wrapped up like it's like being comes out of Hogwarts or something, and it's you know." wax seal and all that kind of stuff and it was just oh such a waste of money so stupid why are you doing it it's, well but i think people comment on that and i like it when somebody makes a bit of effort you know once i've bought into you know bought something um but yeah i know it's on a um it's on a different scale but i've always been um the apple packaging has mm. always been a thing for me that from the the, the re, you know go back to the, it was the iPods probably originally the packaging yeah. was always amazing and it continues yeah. to be amazing and I know it's mass production so they can't do the individual things that you're doing but uh, and I just ordered a new MacBook um, Air and it arrived and they now the outer box that it comes in so it's um, it you'd got. You've got kind of, and obviously you, you won't see this if you go to a store and buy it. But I ordered it, and it came to, it came directly, and and you you took the top bit of the, the the box off, and it was like the the laptop in a box, the actual you know the white Apple box, kind of almost popped up out mm. of this thing. It was amazing, and they it was within a box, and it was complete air all the way around it. So it was completely. Um, kind of a box within a box the way they've done it. I just thought it was amazing that they're actually going to that extent now with the outer boxes. Yeah, no, but um, Apple, Apple have always been, they've, they've been smashing it. I mean, they, you know, they have like, they, they time the, the length it takes for the bottom if you just pick the box up for it to drop out. 
um, and they have to be they're really specific about that but there's loads, it's, it's crazy Nike actually uh, they their packaging is amazing they've now got it I bought some shoe you know you can design your own these ID yeah. shoes and it comes in a, uh, a, reg, a shoe, shoe box size box but it's got like a hole in one end and you slide the whole thing out like a matchbox and it's got your name written on it and it's all yeah it's, it's amazing I um there's a there's a drone there's these little kind of remote control drony things and they did some Star Wars ones there's so they did an X-wing and they did a tie fighter mm. and my my old boss at work bought one Just and he brought say, the this is the third week running he's mentioned Star Wars yeah yeah it's good, yeah sorry <laughs> and but he it'll brought be, this it'll thing be a in game soon yeah <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi. Um, <laughs> and and he brought this thing in and he and he, he said just open that and I opened this box and and like this inner box which had the the drone in it rose up out of the outer box and it lit up and it started playing the Star Wars theme tune as yeah. it popped out of the box for the first time and if you've never seen it you can google it and there's 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 plenty of unboxing videos of it and it was just like even if the drone's shocking even if you can't fly the thing and it proves to be awful that one moment was just worth were the cost of our mission. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I have to have to jump in and say the pickups are good. It's not just the packaging. No, of course not. <laughs> I, you know, the, the weird thing is, though, I've not actually heard them yet. <laughs> um, so I, 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 in a in a lockdown frenzy, mm. um, I, I, the room that I'm sat in now, I redecorated and tried to sort all my gear out, and I'd had a bit of a, a clear out. And one of the things that I hadn't got was a, a humbuckered Les Paul. Okay. And I've had, uh, I've got a Les Paul. It's um, it's an Orville, and it's a. Uh, I had Rob Williams changed it for me, so he changed it to a P90 and a staple. Mm. So he routed out the humbuckers, refilled it, rerouted it for P90s, dropped those in, and resprayed it. Uh, so it's a replica of what is that? The '56 Les Paul Custom, I think. Yeah, something, something like that. that. And it's incredible, but I I had got a gap where I hadn't got a humbucker Les Paul, and I've had many 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 gibson les pauls from studio up to custom shop mm. and sold them on because they all sounded far worse than the sound of a les paul in my head yeah and, and in fact the only les paul that i wish i'd never sold was a greco les paul mm. that i had oh god 10 years ago probably yeah and um when i was starting the the show business um if somebody wanted to buy a guitar off me, they could have it mm. uh, because you know you know it's like when you start your own business. Oh you're, God, you're not, yeah, yes, yeah. You're not exactly flush with cash, are you? <laughs> no, uh, no, never. And um, and I really regretted selling that. So I was I was on Reverb, and um, there's a guy in France. Uh, what's he called? Japan Guitars or something? Oh yeah, I bought a Greco um, Junior from that guy. Yeah, really good. I mean, he's a little bit more expensive than buying from Japan. But you know it's been you know quality checked and he's taken nice photos and you can talk to him, you know. And um, so I bought this um, Les Paul uh, and it was uh, what was it? What was it? Eighteen hundred or something like that. So one of their really good Grecos. Yeah. And that's gone straight to John at Rexter because it had got the uh, tomato soup sunburst mm. on it, which is just horrible. Mm. It's like a clown guitar. So. Um, <laughs> So it's with him, and he stripped it, and he's respraying it next week for me. So the pickups went from me straight to John, so he can put them in. So I, uh, I, I said, 
what's what's the guitar like? Because I've not actually seen the guitar yet. It went straight from France to John. To him. And he went, it's lovely, mate. It's really light, nice, chunky neck. You're going to love it. I was no, like, oh, I know, but that was like eight weeks ago, John. Can I have it soon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So what's the ETA? Uh, so he's hoping to have the spraying finished next week, and then I assume you've got a couple of weeks of it drying off. I suppose it depends on the weather, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, you know, and I'm hoping that he's going to do a bit of uh, lacquer checking on it because I don't like new looking guitars. I like old looking yeah, guitars. Yeah. So it's probably going to be a month before I see it. Um, okay. By which point, you know, I'll, pr- I'll probably just be able to drive down. Da- well, I'm not driving down to him. He's in Norwich. It'll take forever. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, honestly, it's quicker to get to. Pa- to Paris than it is to Norwich, I reckon, from Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked a bit about the app, what you know, we've talked a bit about the packaging, but I suppose we want to talk a little bit about the product. So yeah. wh- where did it all start for you? Um, well, I mean, I, I started, um, I, I'm, a, I'm a guitar tech by sort of trade. Um, I started, um, and sort of luthier, although in all fairness, I don't really consider myself a luthier. I don't really build stuff from scratch. Um, but um, yeah, I started back in 2000. Um, I got an apprenticeship at a place called Chandler Guitars in Kew. And um, I was their Plec operator, um, which was was interesting. But um, I, when I was there, I mean, they had, the workshop was, was one of the best in the country. Um, it, and I kind of landed on my feet. And the guys that were coming in, you had, you know, your Townsends and Gilmores and all that kind of stuff all, all coming in. And, and um, so straight off the bat, I was seeing like really cool gear. It wasn't just, you know, you know, um, you know, Ibanez's and, and, and this that, and the other. I mean, we had like the, you know, the gold 0001 strap that was in. Yeah. Um, Gilmore's black strap. We had one of those in. Um, yeah, loads of, loads of stuff. Um, crazy in fact the first christmas i was there i was um my uh, this well chris rea came in and he was just about to do his like christmas driving home for christmas tour um <laughs> and my job was to i i had to charlie was doing something on his guitar and i had to clean the gaffer tape off all his leads <laughs> and i was like, sat at the front of the workshop and um he was just talking talking to me about football and stuff and I have no idea about football I'm like yeah literally it's like kick the ball in the goal <laughs> and uh, uh, so yeah I was just making that up speaking to Chris Rea which was kind of kind of bizarre but um, it's so from but from there we start. I started and I was I was sort of instructed as well as to what good guitars were what bad ones what, what made what made things sing and what was what was yeah good bad and ugly and um then i you know they got obsessed with like the whole pickup side of things and then that was because charlie well charlie chandler was putting together a 62 61 or 62 62 strap from parts that he was kind of finding on you know ebay or bits and from here there and everywhere and he had a load of 62 pickups um, and he was swapping them in and out and they all sounded they all sounded different so it was kind of and that was like the the moment where i was just like wow you know they, these things actually do make a huge difference i mean obviously everything on a guitar makes a difference but fundamentally all the the woods and the way things resonate um you know your bridges all that kind of stuff they affect the string and how the string vibrates and then the pickup is the thing that turns that physical movement into the start of your electrical signal so 
you know that it's gonna make a difference and um and, it, and that was um, that was that i was kind of obsessed i mean i i get obsessed about lots of like weird little niggly things so um uh, yeah the, then it was a deep dark hole and you know now i can't even see the bloody sun <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair though i mean I, you know you know obviously with my job i talk to a lot of people that are for want of a better description little brick builders you know yeah. and um every single one of them is completely obsessed with that little bit of the chain that they do and i think i think to get the reputation you have to be obsessed yeah really yeah of course of course you have to be because it's that you know it's like on a like a formula one car they all can go really really freaking fast but then you have to they spend hundreds of millions just to get like point naught 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 one uh of a second faster you know you're looking for that tiny bit that Mm. opens just opens up everything i mean i think you're only you're only going to make truly great what you love it's like you're like when you you hear comedians and stuff talking and they're like they'll only write jokes that make them laugh and then you just have to hope that other people find it funny <laughs> but um it's i've got like in, in my head the way a guitar should sound is is you know is a particular way and if you look at listen to all of the pickups that we've done they've all they've all got a similar there's a similar thread running through them my one of my my biggest thing is is clarity and being heard in a mix and you know as i was saying earlier i used to play in like this covers band which had we had track keys lecky drums bass multiple vocals all that kind of stuff and especially in this day and age where stage volumes are going down and down and down you can't just crank up you know rock up with like a 700 watt marshall and 72 speakers and all that kind of stuff and just turn it up you've got to be there's a frequency that you can sit and you can cut through everything still be heard and that's um that's the that's the magic for me it's kind of if you can sit there and you know get all the right highs um but not not piercing just just you can sit there um that's that's kind of it uh, yeah i think you're right i think that was always my dissatisfaction with les pauls that mm. they, they were always too mushy and yeah didn't really represent the sound that i had in my head and the sound that i suppose you know uh you know, when you look back now and you go, well, that's not what the Stones sounded like when they were playing Les Pauls, and then you realise, yeah. well, they're playing fifty eights and fifty nines, mm-hmm. you know, and they're, they're, you know, their pickups were very different to the modern ones that I was getting. Yeah, and, and, it, and it it took a long time to get to a lot of wasted money on Les yeah. Pauls to get to yeah. that point, really. Yeah, but if you think about it in like in like the the seventies, eighties, nineties, as as amps got bigger and bigger and bigger, um, if you think of those those like hundred watt Marshalls, they're really toppy and mm. can actually they've got huge amounts of headroom, so they needed a lot of you know a lot of punch to drive them and and all that kind of thing, and so you could have a twenty k humbucker that you know, and it would still sound bright because it would have clarity there because the amp is so toppy and you're kind of compensating for everything. But now everything's gone kind of back to the way it was at the beginning and, and some because of all the other Kempers and all that kind of thing where you, you don't have that. You have, you know, most people are using small amps. They've, they've got their own character and you're kind of, you can't slam there with, with signal because then they just, they mush and mush up Mm. and it doesn't, you, you want everything to kind of breathe because then, you you're playing which let's face it is is the main 
part of it is going to you can be more dynamic it, um you can sort of vocalize what you want to more easily through it rather than it's like you you hit a note subtly and your guitar just goes ah <laughs> no is it hard it just goes ah still you know you've got you've got that kind of yeah. uh, range in it so so how do you go from um chandlers to montes well um i everybody all the other repairers kind of went off charlie went and started his own store and i was kind of like left as there was me and a guy called brinsley schwartz um were kind of the only repairers there and in all fairness all the way through my life i've kind of i've always wanted to have my own thing do do my own thing and um i kind of just started started branching out i was going to open a guitar shop with a mate of mine um uh, and that that kind of didn't happen i mean in fairness thank god but um we that's when when Monty started and we started doing kind of little repair bits for you know people people that kind of it's a bit naughty really people who couldn't afford chandlers we would just say well we could do it for you outside of it <laughs> and I set up a repair shop in my spare room um and started that and you know guitarists are kind of guitar tech sorry but it's a bit like a hairdresser you find one you like and you stick with them so mm. I was just I was just really lucky I had you know, people that wanted to keep coming back, you know, um, and it kind of grew from that. And then in 2010, so that started about 2005 and then 2010, I properly started to push it. My son was born and that was kind of like a kick up the arse. You've got to do something proper. And, um, it's really started looking into the, you know, developing the products and stuff. We actually rented our house out in London and moved up to a house in Peterborough, um, which I've rented, rented it was like 500 quid a month and I've got a garage in you know which I just decked out and figured out how to make a pickup winder then taught myself how to wind then you know figured it all out I mean there was you know months of screaming and uh, throwing <laughs> things at the wall and, you know it was that that kind of that kind of stuff but it was literally it was you know down in the down in the grit actually properly sort of scrabbling around trying, trying to put it together um and slowly and slowly and slowly it just kept it, it kind of picked up and it's only i mean now it's actually at the beginning of lockdown we got uh, like overwhelmed with orders and and stuff and it's the first time ever that we can't actually I haven't got time to do any of the repair stuff anymore so we've actually flipped from a sort of but it's what started as a service business to now we're, we're pretty much just a, a just product, which um, it's just which is actually yeah, it's really it's it's really it's pretty cool. It was kind of the sort of ten year plan really, but mm. um, it's it's um, yeah, it's been a long. So I, I started in this garage in Peterborough, then moved to a shed. I was there for two years. Then moved to a shed out the back of a studio in Richmond called State of the Art. Um, which the, the owner actually sent me a photo last week. They just knocked it down, <laughs> my shed. But um, I say it was a shed. It was designed to hold the the uh, reverb plates right. for the studio. So it's like insulated, had electricity, heating, all that kind of stuff. Um, I was there for a couple of years. And then um, I kind of, I had this, um, I had I did some work for uh, Katie Mellower and uh, she... She she came into the sort of well she was dropped off by 
she's she's married to or married or I don't know anyway this guy called James Toastland who's a MotoGP rider and um at the studio usually with you know, I would just go through the studio and meet somebody at the front and you know we would chat about what they needed to do and then I would just sort of hide the fact that I was in a shed out the back and um they had this I can't remember what her name is but it's like a French jazz artist was in the studio um the day that Katie was going to pop over and she refused to let anybody go into the studio so even I wasn't allowed back in so you know it's sort of peeing behind the shed that kind of level and um so I said, I said that could you come around to the back of the studio, um, and there you'll because there was a church car park there. There's you'll see a gate with some like ivy around it. Just knock on that, and I'll come and and see you. And she, so there's I open it. There's Katie Mello standing there with my, and she kind of comes through with her, puts her two guitars to, outside the shed because there was no room in the shed. And then she sort of stands and he goes, "This is a bit." quaint isn't it and I was like fuck I've got to I've got to move out of here but fortunately literally that week after I met um do you know Steve Crow from Audio Kitchen um they do um, every day Uh, but um he I spoke to him we were doing some teching for the John Spencer Blues Explosion oh I love John Spencer Blues Explosion yeah so they um they were playing Coco so I I went up to do some like just some setup stuff before the show for them. And then Steve said that they've got a place going in his unit. And now when we that I moved there six years ago and now we've got two rooms in that unit and um yeah, we're sort of bulging out of that at the minute. So it's kind of been a very, very gradual kind of and I haven't really spent any money on advertising at all. We just haven't had any. It was literally the only advertising we've really done is your show um a couple of little bits in in a couple of magazines but i've never had it's literally been kind of hand to mouth hand to mouth you know favors and not eat not eating <laughs> yeah oh, the joys of running your own business though exactly exactly you know that you know you start at 4 a.m you finish at 3 a.m <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's been a lot of that a lot of that but um it's good it's finally i finally feel 10 years later that we've got a little bit you know, a little bit of a steadier ground to sort of push from. Sort of preparing for this. I mean, you know, I know that I know you uh, and I've known you for a few years, but I thought I ought to do some proper research. So I was kind of, you know, Googling away. (coughs) And, you know, there's pages and pages. I can't find anybody that's got anything horrible to say, which, you know, given social media right now, is quite rare. Yeah, but again, we like, it's it's that, I mean, I I find it really important to, if because. If if we make a mistake, which we do, um, and we get things wrong and things break and, you know, post gets held up, especially now, we try and do our best to sort it out. And even if we don't get something right, um, you know, it's, it's I, I usually, I, look, we had this guy who bought some pickups, he bought some aged nickel paps from us. He got them um, and then sort of said that the aging wasn't right. Which was, which was, you know, it's because um, he was kind of expecting like really aggressive aging, which we, you know, I don't, I don't like. Is that's not what pit, old pickups actually look like. But, um, and he also didn't like. Then he said that 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 was, that was the first thing. Then we hadn't plumbed the guitar, the pe- pickups into the guitar, and then he plumbed them in, and then he didn't like them at all. And like he ran, he kind of phoned up, and you know, he was very upset. He'd spent a lot of money, he didn't get what he wanted, which is, you know, which is fair enough. Um, and he spoke to George, who's like 
my kind of he, he protects me from all the emails and um but with him even though he you know he 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 didn't get what he wanted he was very upset i actually i phoned him up afterwards just to just not to try to get him to keep them or whatever but just to you know say that we're we're sorry and uh that it didn't work out and actually see what he wanted sonically because as i said before i'm only going to make what i kind of like and mm. once i know what he likes i could push him onto somebody else that would make that more of that kind of thing you know um and and all of you know i see business is is it's relationship building isn't it it's um yeah. and if you're if if you all you can be is nice if you're nice then you know, <coughs> do 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 good things with good people good shit happens it's 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 that simple you can't and don't just don't be an asshole <laughs> yeah, to well, be honest that's my first lesson on the first week of teaching Mm. Uh, I've got two rules. Uh, first rule is don't be a dick, mm-hmm. and the second rule is see rule one. Yeah, you know, that's and, basically and, it. Yeah, and and also admit when you don't know something. Mm. Um, be prepared to learn something, <laughs> and yeah, just you know, no, yeah, don't don't pretend that you're kind of you are the be all and end all because you're not. I mean, I, there's no. I could. Uh, there's no way I could do what I do now if it wasn't for all the, you know, the people that are around me or have been involved in Montes at some points. You know, I I ask for help all the time. Um, you know, I can make. I can. I'm very good with my. You know, with my hands and stuff. I can make stuff. I can, you know, do the artwork and shit. But get me in front of you know some accounts. I'm rubbish. Any like legal contracts? Rubbish. <laughs> um, <laughs> patient i've got you know patient in a way but also very impatient so you know you need you need it you need to be able to you know accept people's opinions and help as well i think so so what came first humbucker or single coil what what was the first monty product first Monty. um do you know the first official monty's one i think i made the first thing I made was a set of strap pickups just because they're the easiest to kind of make and wind, etc. But they sounded absolutely terrible. I actually, because I, I've got a whack, I, I popped them in a in an old um, Tesco value deep fat fryer <laughs> that, I've, that I've mucked about with. So I've actually turned the voltage down so the heat is a lot lower. But um, I, being an impatient, what's it? I When I first got it, I didn't, I mean, when I first got the first one, we I, I just sort of plugged it in, didn't even think, put the wax in. I was like, oh, this wax is melting fast. <laughs> put the pickups in. And I've, I've, they literally bubbled. It was like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there was, that was that. But the first actual official one is um, what is now known as the... It's a humbucker and it's the full Monty set. Um, originally, before that, it was called the GT500. Um, and before that, it was called the Mutterbucker because I made it for a mate of mine. Um, but basically, it's um, it's designed to be as like, versatile as possible. So it was it's based on the Eddie Van Halen Frankenstein bridge pickups, which is basically it's an overwhelmed path that mm. sp- uh, that can tap really well. Sorry, split. Sorry, really well. Um, it's just to give you the most amount of sa- sounds that you can you, you can you can get really. So it's that that set and then um yeah then then oh god what happened after that it was it was quite it was quite quick after that but i only had all like 
so if you look at the website now anything that's like ret- it's called a retro wines or a full monty it was that lot then the the original side of things came a bit later um you just um just because you know just didn't have the money to get the parts <laughs> <laughs> it, um, I, we, I was on your website last week uh, mm. with Ant, and we were sort of like on a zoom call like this but actually yeah. both looking at your website and um i'm going through the list of players that play you know with monty's pickups and yeah. you know and you know i've got a i've got a lazy j j20 sat mm. next to me Good because uh, when Paul Sayer came to the guitar show 2019, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was like the sound of God to me. I mean, he got that Lazy J going. He got uh, he was playing a Greco 335. Yeah, uh, and he and his Telecaster, which is pretty much my two sounds really. Mm-hmm. Um, through that amp, and, and and the whole thing just sounded incredible. So I'm so I'm saying to Ant. Oh my God! Look at this, Paul Sayer, Nally Colt, who I also think has amazing tone, and he's also the same sort of setup as Paul as well. Mm-hmm. You know, Pete Townsend and Ant says Terry Britton. Wow! Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about Cliff Richard. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go on to like the Guitar Show's um, Spotify account right now, it is the last thing I played is. What was it called? Green Light. Green Light. By Cliff mm. Richard. So I've been sat here listening to Cliff Richard because of your website. <laughs> well, I'm glad that happened. <laughs> in fact, that you know that the shed that I had um, my workshop in, uh, Terry Britton owned that studio. Um, I know him really well. He's um, he's a good guy. Well, I, I mean, I'm going to have to jump in and express, but I mean, the first, when I was growing up back in the because I was born in '71, so and mm. I was conscious of music around the house sort of from about 76, 77 onwards. And one of the albums that, uh, and of course it was vinyl back then, and it wasn't it wasn't like now where you had everything. You had you might have had 15 or 20 things. And the album that was on constant play was that album, was was, yeah. was, was Greenlight. And uh, and the other one was An Uncle I'm Nearly Famous, which is the one that has Devil Woman on it. Mm-hmm. And Devil Woman, I think, is about the first thing that Terry Britton ever wrote for Cliff. And yeah. if you weren't around at the time, you don't realise what a big deal that song was. It mm. was massive, but it's got the most beautiful guitar riff in it. And mm. it sounds fantastic. And he said, I believe, is a telly player. And I've just always loved his sound. I thought yeah. as, a, as a player, he's just really, econ- really economical player, but yeah. really tasteful, really, you know. And, and then he... And then if you look at what he's worked on, incredible songwriter, just yeah. incredible songwriter. Yeah, uh, he, you know he's I... he's one of the best guitar players I've ever heard. Um, literally, he's, he's one of those guys that you can just sit in sit in a room with him, and he'll just be tinkering away on a, an acoustic or something. And doesn't matter how shit the acoustic is, um, it sounds beautiful. He's just really he's you know he's not flashy. It's just solid, really musical, really really good. Yeah, he's a and a lovely. You know, he's he's helped me out no end. Um, yeah, lovely bloke. <laughs> so, so I'm afraid I have the link back there. It's me that 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 went. Oh, Terry Britton, how amazing! Yeah. The kids. I'm like, oh god, I love vintage trouble. I love temperance movement. No, we end up listening to Cliff Richard. <laughs> Cliff Richard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Terry, what was this? I mean, Terry's written for Michael Jackson, Tina Turner. Um, in the studio, he also wrote a song for Blue, but that was like in the cellar. Like at the back. <laughs> but it's amazing. On in the, the in the bathroom at the studio, there's a, a there's a 
uh, what do you call it? a telegram from Quincy Jones. Wow. Um, and it says, it says, dear Terry, so glad the Academy voted the same way I did. Um, uh, What's Love Got To Do With It is the best song, blah, blah, blah. But that's, and that's sitting on top of the system. And then above that is um, a picture of Terry and Eric Clapton, obviously a bit, a little bit worse for wear, with both with like fags in the end of their straps. I think Terry's playing a Schecter thing and Eric's playing a Fender one, but you know, just obviously having a bit of a laugh. It's kind of, kind of crazy <laughs> <laughs> and that that late 70s early 80s that was a golden period there were some great session players kicking around at that time as well some really yeah. good musicians mm. um that whole concept of like you know fix it in the mix that didn't really exist these guys were really really top draw players mm-hmm. that just yeah, went definitely. in and just did the thing and they could all you know they could all do the dots whatever it was and they just all and and just in a way that i don't think you really get now um, it's, a, it's a different beast though isn't it now the whole recording thing I mean everything's different I mean there's still some stonking players out there um, but yeah it is a different beast cool. so did did um, Jesse from Lazy J also work at Chandler's as well is that where you met him because there always seems to be whenever I've looked at a YouTube video reviewing your pickups mm. it's plugged into a Lazy J yeah <laughs> no it's yeah it instantly makes it sound good Um <laughs> Yeah, I, I met Jesse. In fact, this links back to Terry Britton as well, because um, Ter- Jesse used to go like he lived in uh, South London and then sort of and also in oh, whereabouts in America, America and used to flip back and forth. Um, and Terry was one of his where well, he used to come back and would fix Terry's amps and uh, the the amp tech at Chandler's had, had left and um they were looking for one and terry you know put put jesse forward and then they, we get this kind of brash well, he's, he's actually german but american um guy comes in and just he fixes amps but he 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 fixes amps in a way that i've you know i don't know anybody else does i mean he literally it's all all pretty much by sound you don't very rarely you'll see him kind of measuring stuff um he kind of knows what's going on with it like just sonically he'll like listen to something oh it's that and then you change it and yes it it is that he's he's got a crazy set of ears on him which is really surprising for somebody who listens to stuff at such a volume um (laughs) but i remember because i i used to help him build like the tremolo units for the jays and a few chassis and things over the years and uh i went to i used to go to his house in guildford and sit sort of next to him and build the amps um yeah, and I got there one time and this is like Jesse is Mr he's he's definitely not Mr Health and Safety but uh, he had a J20 and a load of crocodile clips and he had a power transformer um, he had the one that's in the standard J20 and then this other one and he was swapping them out like literally just like sort of crocodile clips going here there and everywhere and she's like can you hear that difference can you hear it and I was like um no <laughs> uh, I really can't. Um, but then when he pointed it out, it's just like the the standard transformer that's in the J20 is actually underpowered for the J20. This is why it's got a fan on it. I don't know if you've seen to keep it cool because um, otherwise it would just cook itself. Um, but this bigger one that could handle it, it just it kind of it kind of lost. There's this like bloom around the note on a J. There um, is, yeah. Which with the other transformer it wasn't there but the fundamental note was so much more present it was it was a lot more pokey um so that's what uh, that's 
that's the transformer that he has in the high powered ones um and the other ones it's it, it, the the standard one still has that old one but it was just once he pointed it out it was like oh my god yeah that's completely crazy i took mine but, into a recording studio and there was two pros and me in the studio and they were both like, what's this then? I went, oh, it's this little boutique amp sort of thing I've got. And they were like, never heard of it. Plug it in. And they both stood there and went, oh, my God, it sounds like an amp, but more. Yeah. And no one could really explain what that more was. Like you said, it's like a bloom of note, isn't it? It's yeah. when you played something. You know, unfortunately, the, the really good guitarist that was with me, he played through it. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just. But again, it's that it's a. It's also it's a frequency thing. I mean, the, the J's just sit in the mix really nicely. You know, mm. they work really well. They're, again, it's a really musical amp. You know, you can you have it. I mean, the volume controls always make me laugh because it's kind of like clean, but it's like zero, and then it's kind of clean until so about sort of two and a half, three, and then it's just like <laughs> all the way up. So you just always have it the same setting, but it's really dynamic. It really works yeah, with the yeah. way you play, which is a sign of a sign of a good amp, you know. I think. Yeah. Anyway, we, we we weren't here to talk to you about um, Jesse's amps. We were here to talk to you about Monty's pickups. <laughs> yeah, exactly, so, exactly. Uh, I, I was kind of um, one of the things I've written down is that since sort of lockdown you've been doing a lot of social media posts yes and you seem to um not not only have you been doing sort of monty's um sort of related social media posts but you've been doing a lot of sort of like mental health awareness kind of posts as well yeah 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 and i just you know i just wondered why why um because i think it's the most important conversation we can have right now um people's mental health is is if your mental health is 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 up the shitter everything else goes up the shitter you know yeah. and um it's something that especially as as blokes we're we're terrible about talking about that kind of shit and um and and the more the more we normalize it and make it a, you know a, make it a it's, it is a normal thing everybody everybody but to a varying degree suffers from you know has has stresses um it it's only going to do us good. Um, blokes are, I can't remember, it's been a while since I've looked at the figures, but blokes are like, the women are twice as likely to get diagnosed with a mental illness because, or typed four times maybe, I can't remember, it's, just, it's a ridiculous amount. Yeah. Um, but that's primarily because, well, A, they'll talk about it and B, they'll go and see a doctor about it and then they'll get help and then they get, better hopefully um but the suicide rate in men compared to women is something especially kind of you know that's that sort of like 25 to 45 age group it's like 75 percent more it's a it's fucking ridiculous um just and a lot of it is because we we just don't talk um and you know i've suffered from mental health problems i you know I'm, i'm on antidepressants and um have been for what four years now but I had, so four years ago, I had a proper breakdown, literally got to the point where, you know, I was, you know, I was working, you know, I was, you know, I was working every hour God sends and gigging to try and bring actual money in. And, you know, all the money was going back into the business and raising a family and trying to um, sleep <laughs> and, you know, and, and, and then all the pressures of trying to get the business to work, you know, things not going right, all the stresses and that kind of thing. And I, I just I started feeling worse and worse and worse and 
and also weirdly i mean you wouldn't know it if you you know see me now i I wouldn't talk i'd literally i'd I'd have panic attacks talking to people i'd do a gig for um like a wedding or something and afterwards i'd get off stage and the bride would come up to me and be like oh that was amazing and i'd be like you know um and it it took it it took that hitting kind of rock bottom um to be like fuck I've got to do something I mean I was literally sat at the table and you know when you just can't I I couldn't smile I couldn't even have a straight face it was just like proper like and I and it was I mean it was it was freaking muscular like everything yeah. was just like you know and um it had got that that bad and my wife was just like you look you've just got to speak to somebody and um I also spoke to a mate of mine that around that time he came to stay and um he he said as well it's like man you just you don't say anything you never say anything nobody knows what's going on really um i always have a laugh but you know just the general kind of shit that's going on it's all just bury it bury it bury it Mm. um so yeah i went to the doctor got some help and literally it was like it 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 flipped like like that i was just like fuck and now now you can't shut me up which um it's good. I mean, I still, I still, I still get down days. I mean, it, and, you know, in all fairness, this lock, lockdown thing, that's been a strain as I'm sure it has on, uh, on I, many I think, people. You know, I think it's, um, well, you know, I mean, I, I'm responsible for a hundred odd students at mm-hmm. uni and uh, we have a process called MEC, um, which no one's really understands what MEC stands for. Committee is the final so you know the C of so it's it. it so it's, it's like it's Met committee <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's the Met committee well no that's the committee committee um, but, it, <laughs> but you know as a as a university uh, and group wide we've seen a massive increase in the number of MEC uh, which is extensions really mitigating extenuating circumstances kind of thing because you know that and, and I think you know I'm 50 um, mm. but being locked in my house isn't really that big a deal to me. Yeah, I've got I've got a nice house. I'm in a nice area. I've got a nice garden, uh, and I'm a grumpy old bugger a lot of the time. <laughs> so you know, not going out. Eh, you know, I've missed going to gigs and you mm. know going for the, the odd pint. But I think when you're certainly a, a late teen in your twenties, if you can't go out see your mates and do all that socialising that I did do when I was that age i mean you know yeah i had you know it's that classic thing you know you treat this place like a hotel and you're like yeah, yeah. whatever mom uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you're off you know i was never in um mm-hmm. and i can i can i fully understand how so many of them have struggled through this period yeah because it's so weird mm-hmm. you know and i think that you know i, I you know I, i'm lucky uh like i say got a nice house nice garden but i've also got you know you know an okay standard of living which meant that you know if I was feeling particularly down, and there have been days where you're just like, oh, I can't be asked today. Mm. And it's that weird thing. I mean, I, you know, I'm sat at my desk right now that I've built as my home office. But as part of building it as my home office, you can't see this, but I've got two um, Yamaha monitors here on stands, and I've got Logic on there. In three months, after setting all of this up, I've recorded about a minute and a half of music. <laughs> because I don't think I've had the enthusiasm to create if, if yeah. you know what I mean it's it's been because every day kind of blends into the same you're not doing anything yeah. different and it's 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 there's an underlying stress to all of that isn't that whether you acknowledge it or not 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, my I mean, I've been really lucky because we because Monty's hasn't shut down. In fact, I mean, it's gone the other way. Um, I've been I've been going out of the house every day, but my I mean, my wife had to properly isolate, and uh, and I mean, she's she's absolutely bossed it. But you know, it's it's, it's but seeing it's that same. It's well, it's, it's it's exactly what you were saying. It's that routine of doing the same thing. Day, you know, day in, day out, just like rolling, 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 um, and it's it's going to take its toll. And especially if you know, if, if you're a you know a student, you know, eighteen to you know twenty, whatever, mm. living in your, if, I mean, like, could you imagine living in a London studio flat or something? No, which is most probably. <laughs> the size of a postage stamp and you're, yeah. you're you're having to sell organs to stay there it's 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 horrible you know i i don't know how i i, I would have I, I would have gone <laughs> oh lord that's what i would have done yeah not, not good <laughs> I, I was kind of appalled at the the you know i i mean it's the it's the newspapers really and they they show those pictures because obviously uh, journalists don't travel outside of the m25 so Whenever there's been crowds of people being shown somewhere, it's like, oh, look at Regent Park. We're supposed to be on lockdown. You know, it's terrible. Look at Hyde Park. It's like, if you lived in a flat, you know, you might call them apartments now because they've been rebranded. But, you know, the yeah. tower block flats mm-hmm. with no garden, no balcony, nothing. And you've been in it for weeks. Where else are you going to go? A bit yeah. of sunny weather. You know, and the press, you know, look at this scum and stuff like that. You know, you're really not helping this situation, are you? No, but they, they never do. I don't I don't watch the news. I've, I stopped about three years ago, really. I mean, I'll, I'll watch if there's something actually, you know, people tell me to watch it, I'll, I'll watch <laughs> it. But I don't pay attention to it, really, because it's, I mean, again, it's another mental health thing. And it's, so, it's literally, it's just negativity mm. slammed at you, um, you know, left, right and centre. I think... You, it's like you always hear about the kids that have been, you know, murdered or mugged or all, all this shit. But what about my like my uncle? My uncle's got his example. He's like he he was looking after his granddaughter. Um, they were in the park. She just suddenly vanished. He literally turned around and she ran off. And he was just like he shat himself. But you know he was looking for about fifteen minutes, and then this bloke brought her back. You know, you never hear about that, would no. you? I mean, it's just like, but you know, it's that pe- people generally, people are nice. Yeah, but, I, I agree. Uh, Fundamentally, the average person is a decent human being. Yeah, but if all you're if all you're being shown is is you know people doing bad stuff, people being horrible to each other, you know, this is bad, this is no, no, no. It's what you're going to think. You're mm. going to, you know, um, it's like if you surround yourself with people that are. A negative you're going to be negative I mean I, I it's another thing that I did when you know when I had the breakdown is I had to look at my friend group and family groups and um sort of distance myself from certain people because um they would bring me down um you know I'm not I'm not it's not distance even myself from somebody who has a down day because everybody has a down day but it's people that will only see the downside you know what I mean I mean it's Especially, I mean, you know what it's like when you run your own business. You've got to see the positive because otherwise you'll fucking cry. Because <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's so hard. And the energy it takes to stay in that space is, is you know, it's, it's a lot. So it, as oh, soon yeah. as you get knocked down, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Yeah, and before um, 
we came on. I've just been having a, an email conversation uh, with an exhibitor, one of the biggest stands at the show. Mm. They sent me an email and said, you know, I understand COVID, blah, 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 but what are the plans with the show? And, I, and I'm perfectly honest, I haven't really thought about the organisation of the show for, for weeks now because I don't know yeah. if I've got a show in February. I've got a show next year. It's just when. Yeah. And um, and they went, we're just doing budgets, um, so uh, can we book? And honestly, the little lift that I got mm. as an event organiser, getting someone going, yeah, yeah, still still up for it. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. We're, we're going to be, hopefully, which I need to speak to you about, we're going to be there again Excellent. next year. Um, but, yeah, it's you, it, running your own business is... is you know it's, it's it's hard but it's the same as being in a band you know it's a band is a business and you've just got to keep pushing and you've got to be this you've got to be this kind of force this positive force mm. to push it forward because nobody else is gonna um and yeah i mean that's and then and again that goes back to you know why the packaging that i send out is the way it is and they get all these like thing. you know it's 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 a it's a it's a thank you and it's like more it's positivity isn't it and yeah yeah you know, and that's what you want to project, and um, that's the, that's the space I want to be in. Uh, fundamentally, that is, you know, that is it. Yeah, I, I I couldn't agree with you more. I when I started working in events nearly twenty five years ago now, mm-hmm. um, there's sort of three months before my annual event. I'm fully aware I was a nightmare to live with. I, yeah, it, it, it was such a big deal, and you know, I mean, I, I love I love my event, but you know, when I worked at the NEC, my events were. 10 times the size yeah you know I used to do uh, one of the first events I did was a classic car show and like 65,000 <laughs> people went to it. it you know I mean it's a lot of pressure and a lot yeah. of pressure is applied from above to ensure that you hit targets and, and so on like that and as I've got older I've just learned how to deal with it I'm now not a nightmare for three months I'm probably a nightmare for three weeks before yeah. the event now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know you know you kind of figure out what's important in that sort of time but mm-hmm. yeah and it is that it's keeping that smile going you know yeah so many people say to me on site you seem so calm and so relaxed it's like <laughs> I swear to god if you knew what was going on in my head right I, now yeah i remember the last show i did coming as i saw you was it the morning of the show i was i had to get some passes or something mm. and yeah you didn't look calm at all <laughs> no <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, it's brilliant. You know, there's a hundred. I think I had 120 exhibitors this year, mm. um, and they only know my name because, well, you know, I'm the only person really that runs a guitar show. I have on-site yeah. helpers and stuff like that. But so I've got 120 people that want to ask me questions, mm-hmm. and you know, the queue sometimes is out the door when we're on site of people, and they're they're, they're generally silly things that most of the team could answer. Yeah. But they don't know them. They only know me. So yeah. it's it's a, it's a it's not the questions that are difficult. It's the volume of questions that are difficult. Yeah, yeah. No, I I get that a hundred percent. I mean, one of the biggest biggest chain, game changes for me over the last uh, yeah, it was the last actually from that the last time we did the show was um, I had this this kid, a kid called uh, Johnny Marsh who's literally he, I met him at another show and he, he's like just straight out of school um, and he came to join join the team and he started um, he was he's like really really bright and he just he was just like look what, um, you're really shit at writing but really good at 
doing guitar stuff. I'm really shit at doing guitar stuff, but really good at writing. Why don't we switch? Why don't I do your emails? And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was a big, it was a, a big thing because I was really conscious that, you know, it's my, it's my, my voice. I have a really mm. particular way that I speak to people and all that kind of thing. Um, and letting go of that, especially to this 18 year old, um, was I found it kind of difficult but as soon as as soon as he kind of I just put him put him at the keyboard it was just like why didn't I do this before and now I've got another guy a guy called George who he kind of he him and Johnny kind of he took over from Johnny because now Johnny's at, at Oxford well he's not at Oxford at the minute because of Covid but um, and George has been again he's changed that even even more I mean he's got he's got a lot more experience on his shoulders and and and, and again it's just freeze it frees me up to to work on the business in different areas but also it means that the customer's actually getting a more in-depth answer for questions they get they get answers quicker everything is better for it's a better experience for the customer at the end of the day because you know it, it goes back to my thing earlier about asking for help i mean you can't be everything and i, I mean i'm dyslexic as anything so me writing something takes so long yeah. um i mean now fortunately i kind of dictate most things into my phone which is why i don't know if you've seen on the end of our emails it's you know got some sort of disclaimer that the spelling <laughs> might be a bit weird and <laughs> the, the sentences might be a bit odd um but yeah so it's, it's it's all about that stuff again it goes back to people you know yeah you're right i mean when i um when oh god about four or five years ago i was in guitar guitar mm-hmm. um and Steve, the manager of the Birmingham branch, said, who does your social media? And I went, <laughs> I do. And he went, he said, there's no complaint, he said, but I think it could be better. He said, mm. I've got a guy that's just leaving here um, who's setting up a social media company. And I was like, Steve, there ain't enough money in the guitar show for me to be spending thousands on paying someone, you know, part-time to do my social media he said, just have yeah. a chat with him so what we agreed was um that basically my my life gets hell from christmas to the show right and and having to do that um like you say talk to everybody sort everything out the social media was getting forgotten but it's actually one of the most important things i need to do in that two month mm-hmm. window so i i employed james to just do the social media for me and it was like a couple of posts a day, blah, 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 for eight weeks. And the first week was horrendous with me going, what are you posting? I want to see it before it's posted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been the complete control freak over it. Yeah. And, and then as soon as I realized that James could handle this, like you yeah. say, all of a sudden, like, and that everything's easy. Yeah. I haven't got to worry about that. And, you know, and that's how we've done it now for four years. I'll do it from March to Christmas. And then just James picks it up as soon as we get back after the Christmas holiday and just runs it. So I can forget about it. So all of the messages that come through, I don't have to worry about uh, being answered in enough time to get my stupid tick off Facebook for answering mm. within half an hour or something. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, what kind of insane pressure is that off Facebook? Yeah, don't get me started on them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think I've, I need to point out at this, having spent the day with you, at the show last year, Jay. I mean, oh, fair, yeah, yeah I've been fairly close proximity to you. I think people maybe are mis- they're mistaking the fact you don't talk a lot for you being calm. 
<laughs> yeah. I, I didn't think you were calm. I just thought you were quiet. Uh, that, that is one of my um, traits when I'm stressed, that <laughs> I just shut up. Yeah. Mm. I've watched you march around thinking, yeah, I wouldn't say anything to him now because he's, <laughs> he's, he's about ready to go off. Uh, it's going so, to blow. <laughs> he's he's going to go at some point. Uh, you know, you were walking very aggressively, uh, I have to say, on that day. Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't, I haven't blown at a show for a very long time. No. Um, yeah. But, you know, as I, I like to point out to my event management students, the Telegraph did describe it as the fifth most stressful job in the world. I would probably argue that there are many more stressful jobs. Um, but it's a Telegraph. Who am I to argue? Yeah, so it's, in, it's in print. I yeah, need to ask sorry. Matt. I need to ask Matt. Matt, so what, what's next, Matt? Because obviously you're on the crest of a wave in terms of everything seems to be going well. Uh, you appear to have had you appear to have had a good lockdown. You've had a good pandemic. Yeah, uh, it's the end. Uh, um, you know, commercially speaking. So what's what's next? Um, well, I mean, I, I made a conscious decision about two years ago to kind of run with any crazy idea. Um, and we've got there's lots there's lots of stuff in the pipeline. Um, we've got we're working on pedals, working on amps i've got a couple of other business things that are going um uh this is i've got a mental health kind of charity thing that we're doing we can't we launched it and it didn't really run as well as we i'd hope so we're just waiting for some quiet time to start that back up it's lots of there's lots of stuff i mean my problem is when i when i have quiet time i come up with a new idea (laughs) which is you know, I, I constantly. I mean, in all fairness, I would be I would be doing what I do for a living in my spare time if I was doing a regular job. It's kind of it's, I, I love making stuff and um, figuring out how things work and um, creating. So um, and there's lots of things coming, hopefully. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, um, I good luck with everything. I think all we can really say is good luck with everything. I've been hugely Thank impressed. You. Uh, in terms of the little bit of poking around into your business that I've done, um, <laughs> you know, sounds sounds a bit. Yeah, I was about to say, don't set out the wrong company. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah. isn't it about time that you do the? Um, well, I've really enjoyed this threesome kind of gag. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Rock but, paper scissors. <laughs> yeah. But no, thank, thanks for your time. It's been it's been hugely hugely illuminating particularly for me who's the one who didn't know enormous about you know what you did and and, and the backstory so it's been a, no, it's it's a been pleasure a, it's an absolute pleasure absolute pleasure it's been great cool. wicked thanks for having me on thanks for coming on and, and hopefully right. hopefully we'll get together soon yeah that'll be good once yeah. this um pandemic kind of calms down well yeah. and i and i'm desperate to meet terry Britton, so at some point i need to <laughs> i need to i need to tap you up for an introduction yeah, yeah, of course, man, of course. Uh, yeah, the man who played the riff to green light, <laughs> got to meet him at some point. Yeah, Joe, you know, my friend, I, 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 I was in a band with his son, um, Dan. He's a, he's a really good drummer, and um, Dan found the demo, a load of old demos. One of which was just Good Friends, um, you know, for off the Bad album with um, Michael Jackson. Is it Stevie Wonder? Yeah, and uh, with, with Terry singing all the parts and doing impressions. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so good. Oh, cool. Well, that's a date then. We'll have to. We'll have to that, there you go. That's in the diary. All right, mate. Great to see you. Cheers, mate. Yeah. Thanks. Bye. And we're back. And um, what a fascinating chat that was with Matt. Yeah, I really like Matt. Uh, I like the way he does business. Um, 
I, I like his his attitude to it all, really. Um, you know, and and his attitude clearly goes from the products, but it goes to how the products are presented as well. I mean, when I joked about you know having the best looking stand at the guitar show, I really did mean that. I mean, it, the, the first year they did the guitar show and they turned up and they'd all got like leather aprons on and they were all suited and booted and you know it was just so refreshingly different at a guitar show that that much effort had been put into what in reality was a three meter by two meter booth you know it's pretty small mm. um but but it really works and you know people still mention that stand to me as being mm. so different and of course he knows terry and he knows terry britain so so you know, I was in I was in cliff related heaven, <laughs> and I was in cliff related uh, hell. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see, I know that you've been listening to a bit of Cliff on the quiet. I've been listening uh, to that album. I'm not listening to it again. <laughs> oh, spoil sport! Oh dear. Right. Well, um, I guess I guess we call it a day for this one. Can, don't we? I'd just like to um, point out that we didn't mention Carry On Up the Kyber, uh, which is another one of the classic ones. Ooh. Oh, you're right. The devil's Coming in skirts. Yes, yes. So we're saying that screaming cowboy. Cleo. Don't lose your head. Cleo. Kyber. Um, Is that where we're going? And the Dick Turpin one. Was that a carry-on or was that called something different? No, no, it was a carry-on. I can't remember what it was called. Anyway, if you know what it was called. It was carry-on dick. Carry-on dick, of course. <laughs> it was that wasn't the name of the film. I was just literally, I was, I was, I was egging you on. Uh, no, it was Carry On Deep, yeah. wasn't it? Is that better than the other five, though? No, no, it's not. You know, I mean, there are many great Carry On films that we're probably not allowed to watch anymore. But um... no, I don't think we should have been watching them then. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I'm being honest, but uh, no, scream, screaming stands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Cleo is very yes. good. To be fair, that's got the infamy line, infamy, hasn't it? Infamy, They've all got it infamy. Yeah, they've all got infamy. Yeah. Right, well, thank you for tuning into this history of Carry On with a little bit of uh, a little bit of guitar-related stuff buried in the middle. Uh, and, and we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9 to 42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production. Hold up. 